I told myself for years that what made me happiest was making everybody else happy. I just kept saying, if they're happy, I'm happy. And there is some real truth to that, but where am I in that Mm -hmm. equation? Mm -hmm. I did a great job of taking myself to the doctor, getting all of that medical treatment, but I didn't do a good enough job asking my partner and my kids age appropriately to chip in. And Mm. it took a lot longer to get better. You're listening to The Leader's Lab with Dr. Cherry TV. Welcome to The Leader's Lab, the podcast created to help millennial multi-passionate entrepreneurs build, organize, launch, and manage their online brands and businesses without losing balance. And now, here's your host, the digital organization development consultant, cross-cultural communications specialist, and your favorite global leader, Dr. Charity C. Campbell. Hey, hey, Entre Leaders, happy Wednesday, and welcome to a powerful episode of the Leaders Lab Podcast. If you are new here, I am your host, Dr. Charity C. Campbell, better known as Dr. C., and I am a world-class millennial global leader. I am a doctor of management. I'm an academic professional and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Here in the Leaders Lab, we talk all things entre leadership, which is a combination between entrepreneurship and leadership and we marry the two together. We also talk about communication and balance as a millennial professional. And in today's special episode, our guest is here to help us understand why prioritizing everyone's needs and expectations first isn't how to succeed at home or work. She's also here to help us with the, uh, understand the old way to rebalance work and life and what to do instead. Not only that, but she's going to be sharing her personal experiences about what she's learned from two marriages about resentment, fairness, and appreciation. So who is this powerful woman? Her name is Karen Clark Salinas, and she is passionate about coaching working moms of school-aged children to strengthen their power to make changes at home and work so that their goals and dreams don't get lost in a crazy busy life. Motherhood, marriage, chronic illness, divorce, and blended families contribute significantly to her story. A work-life professional, working parent, and coach, Karen's been featured on podcasts such as Onward Podcast, The Updraft Podcast, Summit for Wellness, Love Your Life Show, and Wake Up and Be Awesome, and in Scary Mommy and Filter-Free Parents. And now we can also add to that the Leaders Lab podcast. Entre Leaders, please help me give a very warm welcome to our guest, Karen Clark Salinas. Welcome to the Leaders Lab, love. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. We are honored to have you. One of the things that we talked about offstage was how I was probably really going to hone in on that work-life balance, asking questions about that, because I have found that we live in this grind culture, this hustle culture, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, oh, hustle hard, grind hard, hustle hard, work hard, play hard, and all of these things. And I'm like, I've been doing it my entire life. And it is stressful. It is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It is filled with pressure. 
And so while we find ways to balance it all, we do find ways to balance it all with self-care practices and trying to take me days and doing things like that. I'm very interested in finding out this new way to rebalance work. First off, let me just ask you, Karen, I know you're in the States, but tell us where you're from. I am coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. Be more in the house. Baltimore's in the house, ladies and gentlemen. I did that specifically for my mama. So I just wanted to make sure that my mom got a kick out of that one. So Karen, let me ask you a question. How did you get started in this area of work, in this coaching area of work? So I actually, the the, kind of the first part of my career was in higher education. uh, And I worked full time while I was raising three busy kids. And towards the end of my time in working for that particular university, I took a job in the Office of Work-Life and Engagement. And so it was through that work that I, I learned quite a bit. And also during that time, went through a divorce, took several years to finally treat and cure chronic Lyme disease. And just just really became interested in helping as many women as I can really rebalance work and life. And I use rebalance, one, because when I think about balancing work and life, it makes me think of a seesaw with yeah. you know, equal stacks of Amazon yeah. packages on either <laughs> end. And that's not been true to my life experience. And those friends, family, other employees that I served, clients, all of that. And so I think of it as rebalancing because there's this push-pull between what takes first seat or first priority at any given time in a day, in a week. Is it work? Is it family? And then also, Mm. as we look across stages of careers and then Mm -hmm. family stages, it's a journey to continually make little and big changes to rebalance things so that we are not sacrificing our well-being to work and parent. I really believe that women should be able to go after a meaningful career. They should Mm -hmm. be able to raise a happy and hopefully healthy family. And it Mm -hmm. shouldn't cost them their own well-being. I love that you said that. I feel like this is so timely for me because one, one of the things that I have heard quite often, especially living in China... One of, the, one of the things that I heard, you mentioned sacrificing. One of the things that I heard in China a lot was, oh, here in China, which by the way, I wasn't looking for a Chinese husband at all. That was not my preference. Okay, let's just throw that out there. But I would hear people all the time, especially at the universities that I taught at and educated women when I would sit around them and we would just talk and they would ask, because it's part of the culture too, why are you not married? When are you getting married? All of these questions about marriage, right? And then they would say, if you're educated and you have a lot of goals and dreams, I think it's going to be absolutely impossible for you to find a husband. And I was like, whoa, first of all, I've heard that before. I've heard being a driven and, and some people take driven as a negative connotation. I don't. Being an ambitious woman, I guess we could say mm-hmm. that. Being, being well-educated and loving to travel and things like that. I've heard people say, oh, if you just settle down, then you'll be able to be married. Somebody will marry you. And I'm like, first of all, let's not 
come out with the somebody will marry you as if I am, I'm not a catch. Like I am a catch. Right. I am right. a catch. But you can't make it seem like, oh, you have to sacrifice intelligence and you have to sacrifice aspirations and things like that for love and to mm-hmm. start a family. And so when you right. mentioned that, that sacrifice, I love that we're talking about work and life balance because many women in my shoes, many educated women who are like, they're still single. Now there are some who want to get married, but there are those of us who are like, no, marriage is in my view. I would like to, we just got to make sure Mm -hmm. we have the right candidate. How do we do this, the balance part, especially, I don't want to say without sacrifice, because I believe commitment to anything costs you something, but with the right sacrifice. Does that make sense? The right sacrifice? Yes. I think I might say, how do we do that? How do we intentionally make choices so that we end up with a healthy work-life mix that facilitates our reaching those goals and dreams career-wise and then family-wise, or even if maybe having a family is not a goal or dream, but you have other goals and dreams, like how do we intentionally make choices so that Mm -hmm. we get to those things that really are at the core of who we are as women? Okay. Okay. I like that question. So if that's how we frame the question, what is the answer? Is there like one specific answer for every person or is it like, no, no, it's, it's, ah, that's, so that's a really great point. Just so many things. There is not a one size fits all answer. I have a framework or a formula that I believe there's four important components to it. Mm -hmm. And I do really believe that you need all four. However, the way that looks for each individual could look very different or there might be similarities in some aspects, but differences in others. Okay. Also one of the things that's coming to my mind right now is I think part of that being driven, being ambitious, also wanting to do such a good job at whatever it is, whatever the hats you're wearing, but you want to do it amazingly I'll give you a quick example of something I did, which when I look back on it, I think, I think, what was I thinking? And yet I know I was what I was thinking. But when my children were young, we moved a few times, local moves. Uh And somehow Uh I had it in my mind that they had to sleep in a bedroom that was just like the one they moved from the morning before. Like, I didn't want there to be any transition for them. I wanted it to be seamless. Wow. And I just said, why? They did move. We were not in the same house. Wow. I I wanted to be that that perfect mom, that best mom, make everything just so easy for them. And all I did was make it harder on myself. They would have been fine. So I think this gets at why is meeting everybody's expectations at work or at home before paying attention to yourself? Why is that not the way to succeed? But I think we do that, right? We is it because we want approval or because we or maybe not just approval, but because we feel good when other people feel good as a result of what we do or say? No, I think that is part. I told myself for years that what made me happiest 
was making everybody else happy. My my kids, my husband, my boss or manager, I just kept saying, if they're happy, I'm happy. And there is some real truth to that. But where am I in that Mm -hmm. equation? Mm -hmm. It wasn't anybody's fault that tick landed on me and made me sick and that it went undiagnosed for a while. But the responsibility lies with me. I did a great job of taking myself to the doctor, getting all of that medical treatment, but I didn't do a good enough job asking my partner and my kids age appropriately to chip in. And Mm. it took a lot longer to get better. My manager didn't even know I was sick until after I was well on my way to being better through the first round of my illness. She was amazed to hear how sick I had been, but I managed to show up to work every day and do what needed to be done and not show anybody that I was struggling. Things at home did fall apart a little bit in some ways, but the point is just that I made it take longer. And I would say Mm -hmm. my husband also, by not really understanding how much more he needed to step up to really get Mm -hmm. us through. And it just took a lot longer to get better. Now, did you communicate these things, how you were feeling? Or were you like Wonder Woman? That's the Wonder Woman syndrome that we have, where you keep everything bottled up inside because you're like, people rely on me to be X, Y, Z and to show up for work and to be the mom of that. So you didn't really release that or communicate that? Or not as much as I should have, or maybe also, and this gets up to the good communication, maybe I wasn't being clear and specific Um. enough. Maybe I also wished for my husband to do more, but I never communicated it to him. Yeah, You know, I'm still learning how to ask for help. Still learning. Whew, listen, you get no judgment from me on that one, love. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I know you and I and a whole bunch of other women, no matter the field or industry or generation right now, they're mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's me. Yes, that's yeah. me. And I'm so glad that you said that because in one of a, a recent episode that we did, there there was another woman who was saying, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Because we oftentimes we do. We think, no, because they already expect me to do this and do that. So if I ask for help, then. But all of these assumptions that we have about asking for help are in our minds framed somehow. I don't know how they were framed over time. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think about that? I think probably females come by some of that naturally nature, uh, but then there's a nurture part to it as well. And I knowing myself and I even see it in my daughter, there's just such a strong desire to be seen as capable. And I'm sure that underlying that are some fears. Mm -hmm. What if I'm not capable or I'm not able to do it, or I don't know something we'd really, and I guess also we're, we want that sense of control, right? Um, got it all under control over here. All all going on. (laughs) And so here's, what's ironic is that here we are 
We're pushing so, so hard. Just put your head down morning until night. And by doing that, we risk the very thing that we want, which is to be able to show up capably, calmly, Mm -hmm. compassionately for our family, our coworkers, our friends, everybody who's important into our lives. We're like doing the one thing that we so desperately don't want, but we just can't be everything to all people. It ends up then being, we're kind of nothing. And we're, that sounds very harsh. And when you do everything for everyone, you become indispensable, you're taken for granted, and you don't shine for those things that you truly are gifted and talented in. Okay. So in your experience, especially as a coach, when this happens, do you see that most clients begin to become a bit resentful? Oh, yeah. I think I personally <laughs> think... I like how she said She was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't well, you? <laughs> also, I was so resentful. Wow. Yeah. And I think that obviously the past couple of years have been so incredibly hard on women mm-hmm. and they've been hard on everybody. Right. But so much has been expected with often very little extra support or resources. And that's why I also go back to, we shouldn't have to sacrifice our well-being, our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, our desire to be true to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to sacrifice all of that to be able to work and parent. And so What does that mean? That means we got to get off of autopilot that let me just put my head down and just work rush from Mm -hmm. one thing to the next. And we got to pick our heads up. We got to pause a little bit and we need to ask ourselves, do I have what I need, what I want to be a happy and healthy person for myself and for all of those people that I really care about and I want to show up for. Um, and that means we got to make choices and we got to take some responsibility for those so, choices. So how do you make those choices or what are the choices to make? But instead of doing that, because I feel that really might be like individualized, something that you would work with your clients to discover, but are there foundational choices? Yes. So I I would say there's, in my mind, there's, there's four categories or four buckets. Let me give the four and then I'll talk a little bit about each one. Redesigning family. And I'll come back and again, I said, talk about what I mean about that. Redesigning work, practicing self-care, And then Mm. the secret sauce for all three of those is prioritizing financial flexibility. So what do I mean by redesigning family? It means finding a partner or establishing a partnership where you share care for the kids and the home Mm. and aging parents or whoever else needs. You share the caregiving fairly. And there's been a few people who've done some really great work on what does fairness look like in a partnership. There's such a long list of all the things it takes 
to run a family, run a household? And what does it look like when those tasks are shared from beginning to end so that mm-hmm. I could actually take that off of my to-do list? So it's okay. not that my partner's maybe doing a sliver of the job or an aspect right. of the job. No, this is fully your responsibility. Here's your list. Here's my list. And then one of the things that's important is that together you decide what's the minimum standard. So I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody recently where a common sticking point, I think, often in families, particularly with school-age kids, is they get invited to a lot of birthday parties. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into, it turns out, getting a kid to a birthday party because there's also some social constructs we're teaching about being thoughtful about gift giving and maybe some etiquette and getting that gift and wrapping that, all of those pieces to it. And maybe within a a couple or a partnership, the minimum standard of care is that in our household, it's really okay if gift cards are given, gift bags are used, but it is really important to us that our, our kids make a handwritten card and really try and make a nice message to their friend. In another family, it might be we're totally fine with the store-bought card, but we think this other aspect of gift giving is important. So mm-hmm. it's taking the list. Each person is responsible for the whole of the task. If that's Mm -hmm. what works for your family and then determining like where are our values around this? Where's our minimum standard where if that's on your list, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to stick my hands into it because it's on your list. But I Mm -hmm. know that we've agreed upon. Here's what I can be minimally happy with. And it goes back and forth on the negotiating of that. There's also sharing for the kids and the caregiving of the kids. And there's actually an organization called Third Path that has examples of people, couples who have both reduced their work hours Mm. so that they can take care of the kids. Mm. There are people doing it all the way with teenagers But if there's not a default, or as some people have started calling it, a she-fault parent. A she-fault. Okay. Um, And there's a really important aspect also about shared care of kids and the home is that it's also good for men. Or it's good Mm. for the other partner, whether it's two women, two men, it, it, it allows both parents to show up more as whole people, which not saying one person is the default parent and one person is the primary worker, even if the other parent is still working. Unfortunately, our culture right now, it expects workers to show up as if they're not parents. And then we also expect parents to show up as if if they're not workers. Yeah. There again, you can't do both of those things as if you don't do the other. 
and have and not sacrifice well-being, which I also include within that, are those goals and dreams that are just about the, the core of who you are and allow mm-hmm. you to express talents, gifts, hobbies, have some fun, those kinds of things. So that's how because we, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Is it because there's there's supposed to be this, you know how like we have the whole separation of church and state? Is it supposed to be like within you there's this separation of home and life and work? And so when you come to work, we don't expect to hear anything about your home life because we don't pay you for that. We pay you to work. We pay you to work. Well, at home, don't bring work to home. So I don't think that's actually the way most workers feel that it works for them. I would also argue when we are raising kids, those kids, uh, hopefully part of what, what we're raising them to be are workers, employees, entrepreneurs, yeah. whatever it is. And if we don't, again, intentionally show them the parts about work that are going to make them better workers. And by that, I don't mean the one that arrives the earliest, stays the latest and is available on vacation, that they have meaningful work and they are proud of Mm, the results and the impact that they make, all of that. We have an opportunity to serve as role models. And Mm -hmm. I think pre-pandemic and for many years prior to that, we've been in a work-first culture. Remember, uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was the only breadwinner. And Mm -hmm. work really dictated if he had to travel, that's what happened. When he could get home is when we would have dinner. And I think that employers over the years have just assumed a whole lot of power about the impact that they can have on our time and energy for life. And there there are some really valid reasons for that. And they do pay us. We need that money. We need those healthcare benefits. But I've learned over time, and I think that the pandemic was an amazing experiment, at least for office workers, to show Mm -hmm. that turns out people can work really effectively outside of the office. And that adults can be very responsible about when given the opportunity, they can do some of their best work when they have greater control over how, when, and where they work. And that's actually, that's one of the great things about being an entrepreneur, I would argue, Mm -hmm. is that Mm -hmm. you have that greater control and you do amazing work because if there's no amazing work, there's no business. So, so I, I would like for, I would like more of us to reclaim a little of that power back. And I do think the pandemic sped that up. And I think millennials in particular have a great kind of passion for that as well of, I know how to get my work done. I know how to get it done well, or i hopefully know who to ask and I'm going to get that training, get that help, get that mentorship. But then we need to take back some of that control 
always also keeping in mind, though, that our managers and our leaders are going to care the most about still meeting those team goals, those business goals, those objectives. That's fair in my mind. If you're going to pay me money, you deserve some of my very best work. Yeah. But you don't necessarily deserve all my time and energy because I need time and energy for raising a family, which is important to society. And I need it for in order to be a good citizen and Mm -hmm. to contribute to the community and do other things that are important for our world. So what and I don't know if maybe you've woven some of the biggest mistakes that women make when trying to rebalance work and life into what you've already shared with us. But are there any particular mistakes that women specifically make when we are trying to, because, you know, off the top of my head, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, that's then, yeah, we make a few mistakes. And I'm like, oh, that's, that probably isn't good then. And I know, I know we really are focused on motherhood and marriage. And so for some of my single ladies out there, they're probably like, does that really apply to me now? Yes, it does. Whether you want to be married or a mom in the future, I feel like it's all about how you take care of yourself now and how you balance things now. But we have an expert here. We have a coach here. So could you help us with that? Sure. And let me also add that families come in all shapes and sizes, right? And so some people's families, it's their very best friends. It's whoever you love, in my opinion. So while it may be true you didn't birth the child or whatever, other people that need your support, your caregiving, your love, all of that, they come to you in different ways. And all of us also have parents and those parents get older. And I would argue there's a lack of support for families with children and Mm -hmm. single parents and all of that. There's also, there's that same kind of lack of support for aging adults and aging parents. However, you're caring for people, even if, and I don't mean even if as in less than, but they're your very best friends. They're very important to you. You love them. Having the time and the energy to be able to be with them in whatever they need is good for them and it is good for you. That's Mm. part of you being a whole person. Uh, and so you you asked about biggest dates. mistakes. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to rephrase this, even though I have said it, but I'm going to rephrase it in case okay. it resonates in another way, okay. which is making things easy, seamless. Like the example I gave for your kids, your partner, your boss, your coworkers, you name it, no matter the cost to you. That's what we're talking about. What's the uh-huh. cost to you? Wow. And in in again, physically, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. spiritually, mm-hmm. now, in the future, it just doesn't make any sense to give everything you've got, no matter the cost to you, because you become invisible. And that that is hmm. a horrible way to feel. Because you make things seem easy. It's easy for people to like overlook and the part you play or the role you play. They don't see you and your needs. Wow. They just, they just see what you give. Or they also, they don't even see the effort. 
Wow. Um, and I, because you I, make it look easy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And let's just not talk about it as raising kids. Let's talk about being a leader okay. of your family, being mm-hmm. a leader of a team, being some kind mm-hmm. of leader, even if it's not explicitly in some title. We have yeah. an opportunity to show others what it looks like, what it takes. And by doing that, we let them in on the secret of what they, mm. they you know, how they can do it too. Yes. And we give them yeah. permission. Okay. People need permission. Sometimes they need permission to ask for that help, to say out loud what their goals and dreams are. When we make it easy for everyone, I don't think we, we also allow people to get curious about how maybe it could be different or what could they have that they could make happen for themselves. So that's one mistake, just doing everything for everyone, no matter the cost to you. Um, Second mistake is allowing our work to decide how much time and energy we have for our life outside Mm. of work. And that work first culture that I referenced, it it really was, okay, work comes first. We're going to fit life inside of it. And we need to flip the script on it. And Mm -hmm. we need to fit work into life. Now, let me say that still means you're doing high quality work. But it also means that you have a really good idea of what your mission critical work is and Mm -hmm. you prioritize that. It means things like if your manager gives you a new project, which is going to mean that you have to consistently work evenings and weekends, that it's going to push you into chronic overwork. It means that non-emotionally and objectively, you give feedback. I, I hear that's important. That's amazing. But I need to let you know, I already have these other things that are priorities that we've already talked about. Can you please just help me reprioritize? We can't expect our managers or our leaders to always have a running list in their heads of what each of their direct reports or their employees have going. They don't know all the deadlines. We can do our part by giving feedback of what it means. If I take this on, here's what happens to the other work that we've said is important. Now, that's going to take practice for some, but I feel like that's part of our responsibility of doing our work well, instead of saying, okay, I can get it done. I'll do it. Meanwhile, we're chronically overworking, which again, not good for our well-being, not good for our mental health. That impacts stress. That impacts our engagement in our work. It's looking And home. Yeah, exactly. Engagement at home too. That's right. That's right. It's it's keeping the eye on the prize at work and at home about what's most important, the main goals, the main objectives. What are we going to be held accountable for? So Mm -hmm. let me mention something at home. Okay. When our kids are young, it is hard to imagine what it will be like 
when they grow up and head off to college or move out of our homes to go live with roommates or whatever their post high school plans are. But that time does come. It, it sure as heck does. Just imagine when my 18, 19 year old is talking with that new roommate and talking about what it was like when I was in elementary school and what was it like? What do you want them to say? Do you want them to talk about all the games that you played as a family or movie night or we read these great books together? Mm -hmm. do, you, do you want them to talk about how clean the house was or how amazing every meal was? And it doesn't matter so much what the examples are, but the point is, what are the memories you want your kids to have? And it means, again, you can't do it all. There aren't enough hours in the day to do everything that everybody expects to your standards and their standards. We got to choose and so what are the choices that you're going to make so that you're meeting your values and you're creating memories and people are happier and healthier? I and love so it. You, you got to let some things go, probably. Mm. And it's okay. Choose what you want it to be what you and your partner want. I like that you mentioned earlier, and this has actually been such an amazing episode, and I can't believe that time is flying by as quickly as it is, but I'm going to get these questions in because you're bringing such valuable content and help to our listeners and viewers today. But early on, you mentioned fairness in a partnership, and you right. alluded to what that looks like, even with the last thing that you said, fairness in a partnership. Even if it's just one or two minutes, can you elaborate on that fairness in a partnership? What would that look like for us today, so, for millennial working leaders? What would that look like? There is a model of fairness, not mine, right. Dr. Janet Hibbs, and okay. she has four parts. One is reciprocity, meaning hmm. that even it's not keeping score and it's not tit for tat kind of thing, okay. but it is that if I make a request or I have a mm -hmm. need and I communicate mm -hmm. that, then I should be able to expect that as long as my partner is able to actually do it, has the capacity and the skills, they'll show up and they'll be there. So there's reciprocity. The second thing is claims. I have to actually ask for what I want. I can't expect my partner to be a mind reader. I also can't wow. expect yes. that my partner and I have the same definition of fairness. Our fairness, actually, this was a big aha for me. We learned our concept of fairness from our families growing up. And so this is another thing that couples have to, they got to talk through and they got to land in a place where both partners are comfortable with what fairness in our relationship looks like. So yeah. there needs to be this reciprocity. There needs to be claims as in, I need to ask for what I need and want. The third part is acknowledgement. And mm. that can also mean, even if the results don't turn out, say, the way I might have wanted them to, I can at yeah. least acknowledge, 
appreciate the effort. I Mm. see that you tried. That makes a difference to me. And then the last part, which the first three parts all roll up into is trust. And, Mm -hmm. And in order to have a strong relationship, we have to trust each other. I'll just give a quick example. As I mentioned, divorce is part of my story. I'm in a second marriage. My first marriage after, and it lasted 20 years, so 20 years, three kids, I realized after learning about fairness, that was one of the problems. We didn't have enough fairness. Part of it was because I was running around being superwoman. I own that. I didn't do as good a job at the claiming part of that fairness model. Now, I'm not letting my husband off the hook, but I am (laughs) saying I have to own part of the lack of fairness. Yeah. I'm recovering people pleaser. Didn't want to ask for what was hard or I had fears or I would rather avoid conflict. And so a lot of times I think, he probably didn't have a clue about what would have looked fair to me. Also, going back to the resentment that we talked about, because I was just doing so much of everything in terms Mm -hmm. of the kids and our home and also working full time, I was so resentful that I couldn't even find it in my heart to thank him for taking out the trash. No lie. Couldn't do it. That's how mad I was. Because it was like, you took out the trash. Wow. Congratulations. Okay. Now. Every woman right now, I know you feel yourself in this situation. Like you see yourself in this situation. Yeah. So I'm in a much better second marriage for me. There's so Mm. much more fairness. And one of the reasons is because the way we've broken things down, we don't divide tasks along gender lines quite so much. Okay. He's just as likely to wash the dishes as I am. This morning he got up early with our puppy. And when I got up, I immediately took her outside because he had already been doing it. We trust Mm. each other to know that it's all going to work out and be fair in the end. I'm better at asking for what I need. I'm going to be working on that till the day I die, but I'm better. And he also encourages me. Ah. Tell me what you need. Don't do too much. Yeah. Yeah. And then he gets an applause. Yeah, he does. He's a great guy. Here's the other thing that I've noticed with Mm -hmm. more fairness more Mm. trust and all. It's so much easier to appreciate each other for the littlest of things because there isn't the resentment. I can thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing Mm -hmm. that. And we both Mm -hmm. do it. So that's what I've learned is that couples need to work on the fairness, the perceived fairness in their relationship, because Mm -hmm. then all of that adds up to trust. And we need to trust that our partners will show up in our darkest Mm -hmm. hours and in our joyous moments. And again, Mm -hmm. we get to teach anybody else that when they see how we do it. We teach our kids. We teach our friends. That's a great gift to the world. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing and for answering those questions for me. Mm -hmm. Because fairness in a partnership, I feel like that helps with the balance. 
I feel yes. like that helps with the balance because you feel like you're not having to take on so much and then that resentment can't come in. And also that's why I said, I started clapping for your husband. I'm like, oh, he gets an applause because he encourages you to yeah. communicate your needs. And yeah. that is a part of the balance. Like communication is a part of right. a balance. Yes. Yes. And Most you know, definitely. that's that's one of the things we talk about here in the Leaders Lab. Right. It's like you have to make sure that you're able to communicate those needs, regardless of how you think you may be perceived. Right. So particularly at work, I think a lot of people are hesitant to say, I've got a really important family event on this weekend. I have got to structure my work so that mm -hmm. I definitely don't have to work on this weekend. We feel like we're yeah. not seen as a team player. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. You're still getting your work done. And on top of that, you're giving others permission to say when they have a, an important event or something mm -hmm. big is going on that's not work-related. You lead, yeah. you help others show up as whole people. It's what we need, 2022 and moving forward. I love it. I love it. Wow. We have been enjoying you here with us in the Leaders Lab, Karen. I thank you so much for being with us. And before we tell the people how they can connect with you, I do have one question for you. What is the one characteristic that you believe every leader, no matter the industry, no matter the field, must have? Compassion. Mm. I think the past few years, whether it was the pandemic, it's been the rise in social justice. The list is long of the things our world is dealing with. We need to really try and understand one another before we seek to be understood. And leaders will get better work from their coworkers, their teammates, their colleagues, when they really show up with kindness in their heart. And research shows that compassionate leader gets better results than the leadership style of authoritarianism or even mm. just being a tough boss. And it's a huge component to employee engagement and retention. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest reasons people leave jobs and or why people are entrepreneurs is because they don't have a compassionate manager and they right. would rather just work for themselves. Yes. So compassion. I love it. Okay. Compassion. Thank you for that. I really appreciate your explanation about the compassionate leadership. And I think since we started the Leaders Lab podcast, you're one of the few who said that compassion mm -hmm. is the most important thing. I agree that it is definitely one of the biggest character traits that any leader should have because you can't just bulldoze over people and make them feel like they're insignificant because they have a situation or things like that. I appreciate you saying that very much. Now, Karen, tell the people, how can they connect with you? You can connect with me on Instagram at Rebalance Wellbeing. And then okay. also, given the focus of this podcast, I encourage anybody who would like to know more about how to increase their power at work and home. I have a quiz that'll tell you one of three levels that you might fall into. And then also Whoa. when you give me your email address, 
I send a free guide to you that has 10 strategies that will help you increase your power at work and at home. And so you can find that on my website at rebalancewellbeing.com forward slash power quiz. All right. What about if they want to email you? What's the best email address they should use? Thank you. Karen at rebalancewellbeing.com. Excellent. All right. And for those of you who wanted to know about the quiz link, here it is right here. Thank you. (laughs) So this is how you can go and access that quiz. Find out which one of the three you are. Get your assessment and then make sure you let Karen know that you've heard her here right in the Leaders Lab podcast. Karen, again, thank you so much for joining us from the Be More. Thank you for being with us from Baltimore today. We so appreciate you. You are welcome. I thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk about rebalancing work and life. Likewise. And listen, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Leaders Lab podcast. Whether you're watching on YouTube or whether you are listening on any of the audio podcast platforms, I do want to say thank you. And for those of you who are listening to the audio version, you can always just check the show notes. And for those of you who are watching the video version, you can still check the description box. We have all of her contact information where you can connect with her. Also, the power quiz will be there as well, where you could just click the link, go take the quiz and get your assessment, your evaluation. So I want to thank you again for tuning in to this very special episode. Listen, work-life balance, it doesn't have to be hard. It just needs to be intentional. I think that's where we make it hard. We make it difficult because we're not necessarily intentional or we don't know how to do that. And so that's why God created amazing women and coaches like Karen, who they're able to guide us in the right direction and to help us to not end up living a life of resentment and feeling like you're undervalued and or invisibility. Come on now. And to all my single women who are just like, I'm trying to work on this work-life balance thing, but I'm in this grind hustle because I want to do everything that I can now. The way you prepare for your season, this is something that I had to talk to myself about before when I said, okay, this is during that time that when all the Chinese women were telling me I would never find anybody or never be married. And I was like, I don't receive that. But one of the things that I had to learn to do was to practice balance. When I started practicing, there's the everyone time, there's the me time, there's the adding them together. When I just started putting things into place, the right place and having the right perspective, it did help me in such a great way to not feel like I was undervalued, lose my sanity and all of the things. So I encourage you to do that as well. And to all of our mommies that are out there, all of our working moms, our working dads, it is our hope that you do have fairness in your partnership and that you understand that you are worthy of having a balanced life. You need to be intentional about it and seek help if you are having any type of challenges with doing so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be all for this this episode on today. And as always, I look forward to seeing you next week in the lab. Thank you for listening to the Leaders Lab podcast. Visit our website at www.drcharitytv.com and follow us on all social media platforms with at Dr. Charity TV.